Lecture topic, Prescription for Happiness. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi alladheen astafa. Amma ba'du fa'audhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. وأمر أهلك بالصلاة واستبر عليها لا نسألك رزقا نحن نرزقك والعاقبة للتقوى وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا قمت في صلاتك فصلي صلاة مودع ولا تكلم بكلام تعتذر منه غدا وأجمع اليأس مما في أيدي الناس او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسسكت علماء الكرام بدزن الدرس فرست فيري بريفلي جست تو ميك سم مذاكره اوف ذا فيري امبورتنت تايم ذات از اهيد اوف اس سو ذا مانث اوف ذو الحجه از ات اور دوستيب and the first 10 days of zul hijjah has such virtue that this has become a debate among the scholars that which period of time is more virtuous the first 10 days of zul hijjah or the last 10 days of ramadan the fact that this became a debate and a scholarly discussion whatever the conclusion of that may be regardless of that this itself already highlights what a tremendously great period of time this is the last 10 days of ramadan everybody knows how auspicious these mubarak days and nights are and this is now becoming a debate or was was a debate so that shows this is not an ordinary time very very important time very great time we have heard time and again when there's some big store opening up somewhere or whatever the case may be whether it has opened up long time ago they are having some sale and things are going to be sold at half price or whatever price is going to be sold for but a very big saving people will make so we hear about people queuing up sometimes from the night for the store to open in the morning they exert themselves the whole night for what for perhaps a few thousand rands of saving but that's the extent that they are prepared to go to and if supposing this was available for 10 nights in a row or 10 days in a row then for 10 days in a row two people will do this why for some material gain for some savings of rands and cents for some worldly benefit so allah taala hasn't forbidden us from the benefit of dunya but the benefit of dunya provided what we acquire comes in a halal way and then it is used in the correct manner but all this no matter how much it might be and how halal it might be as well but one day it's all going to perish we are not going to be around and neither we are going to have these things forever we are all headed towards akhirat so allah taala out of his grace and mercy gives us these opportunities to refocus we had the month of ramadan before the month of ramadan we had shaaban we had the 15th of shaaban now the days of hajj came now we get the first 10 days of dhul hijjah coming so these are all occasions allah taala makes available to his servants to refocus to reroute ourselves because sometimes we take a diversion somewhere we go off the track this becomes a moment of reflection becomes a time to reconnect with Allah tbaraka wa taala becomes a time to reroute our direction and come back on track come back to the direction of connecting ourselves to Allah tbaraka wa taala come back to the direction of jannat so these are very very important occasions not something to be just wild away the very least the very least that we can do is that in these 10 days and not something for the sake of merely putting on pause but even for this but if somebody just did it for that purpose to just respect these mubarak days inshallah that might become the catalyst and the stepping stone to giving up these sins forever 
that out of this great respect for such a great occasion, person puts a complete halt on all sin. That's the least, the very, very bare minimum. That it doesn't show indifference to Allah Ta'ala for this tremendously great bounties and benefits Allah Ta'ala is showering on His servants. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is reported to have said that there are no days in the year مَا مِنْ أَيَّامٍ الْأَمَرُ الصَّالِحُ فِي أَحَبُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ مِنْ هَذِهِ الْأَيَّامِ الْعَشَرِ No other time of the year does Allah Ta'ala love good actions more than the good actions performed in these ten days. The Sahaba inquired, وَلَا الْجِهَادُ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Because they understood this to be the highest level of amal and the highest reward that is achieved for any amal. So Nabi Islam is saying, no amal is more beloved to Allah Ta'ala at any other time than the amal performed in these days. So does it mean that include even jihad? Nabi Islam said, وَلَا الْجِهَادُ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Not even jihad in other times can equate the reward of amal in these days. Except that person who took his all his possessions, he went with his life and wealth, spent everything in the path of Allah Ta'ala and he himself gave his life. He can equate the reward of amal in these ten days. And this is why eventually we spoke about that debate between the scholars, which is more virtuous, the first ten days of Zul Hijjah or the first last ten days of Ramadan. So many of the view, the first ten days of Zul Hijjah are greater. And the last ten nights of Ramadan are greater. Again, that's a detail behind it. The last ten nights, Laylatul Qadr comes in one of those nights. And whatever else. And these ten days, there's these virtues of it. So this is, so to say, a reconciliation between the various ahadith. But be that as it may, that's a scholarly discussion. The bottom line is, these are very, very auspicious days. So the bare minimum is that we already condition our hearts and minds. That I am not going to disobey Allah Ta'ala in this time at all. And with the barakat of respecting this Mubarak time, Inshallah that will become the means of tawfiq to give up these wrongs forever. It is mentioned in the hadith that every fast is equivalent to the reward of one year's fasting. And every night of ibadat is equivalent to the reward of Laylatul Qadr. So in any case, these are just some of the virtues, there are many others, but just for us to start already conditioning our minds and hearts, and when there's a very big event coming, any event that comes, this becomes a talk in the home, somebody is going to be getting married, that discussion happens months in advance, something else, forget somebody is getting married is a very big thing, but even small mundane things sometimes, but which become big events for us. That too is discussed long in advance and there's so much of discussion around it and so much of planning sometimes. These are also very great events, events of Akhirat. Events that will take us inshallah to Jannat. Events that will connect us to Allah wa ta'ala. So this should become a discussion in our homes. This should become a reminder. We should start already, it's not farz to fast, it's not wajib. But we should be talking about the virtues. Allah Ta'ala gives somebody tawfiq, if not every day, every second day, few days at least out of these t- nine days, first nine days. At least the day of Arafah, which has tremendous virtue. It becomes a compensation of the sins of the past year, the minor sins of the past year, and the forthcoming year. Subhanallah. Allah Ta'ala's grace knows no bounds. Rahmate haq, bahanami joyad. One poet says in Farsi, in Persian, the Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala doesn't wait for a very big thing to happen before it comes. rahmat haq bahana mi joyad. It looks for an excuse. And the excuse that we can present is, the least excuse we can present is, that we stop sin. We stop all the haram. We stop the sins of the eyes. We stop the addiction of the phone. We stop talking evil and vulgarity. We stop listening to evil. Stop going to haram places. And Allah Ta'ala's fazal inshallah comes with the barakat of this respect of this Mubarak time. Inshallah will become the means of these things becoming history forever. So Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq that we program ourselves the nights are long. 
at least some time every night, one hour, half an hour, engaging in some ibadat, till out of the Quran Sharif, nafil salah, Allah give us tawfiq, we wake up in the last part of the night, few rakats, time of dua, which is the most, the greatest time, and the most virtuous time to engage in dua. So this is something that we should already start focusing towards, planning, encouraging one another, and trying to take the maximum benefit from this Mubarak time. The Hadith Sharif that was recited at the beginning, this Hadith is reported by Abu Ayyub Ansari radiallahu ta'ala an, the very great and prominent Sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and who had that very great honor of being the host of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa made hijrat and came to Medina Munawwara. So everybody was very desirous of having Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa as their guest. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, let, let this camel walk where it's walking to. It has been commanded by Allah Ta'ala. So it will stop where it needs to stop. Nobody's going to touch it. I'm not controlling it. And it's walking on its own. And this camel came and finally came into the place where Abu Ayyub Ansari radiallahu his family, his tribe, and then came and sat right outside his door. And this was the place that Nabi Islam was meant to be staying. This was the way that Allah Ta'ala miraculously brought this great honor to Abu Ayyub Ansari radiallahu ta'ala. In any case, there's many, many virtues of this great Sahabi and he is one of those people he went out in jihad at the time when he was 80 years old. When the call came and it was the battle of Kustantaniya, Constantinople as it's called. So they had to now go, he said, I'm coming with. His son said to him, that, but you are so old, you cannot manage. He said, no, no. Allah Ta'ala has given the command, infiru khifafa wa thiqala. You go in all conditions, you very well or not well. This was his level of taking it. So he went. And then when it was now obvious he's not going to be able to survive this, his time is up. He said, when I pass away, continue carrying my janazah as long as you can. Then you bury me where you finally reach. Because at least I'll wake up on the day of Qiyamah that I even went out in the path of Allah Ta'ala after I passed away too. So in any case, he's narrating this Hadith Sharif. And he says one person came to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he said, Izni wa awjiz. One rewired, Allimni wa awjiz. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, teach me something or advise me but keep it short. Now, this might sound very strange. He is saying to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that advise me but keep it short. Sometimes Somewhere there is some program, so sometimes the person is asked, but how long should the talk be? He said, oh, you take the whole night, please, alright. But then now the person said, take the whole night, about 10 minutes into the talk, sometimes he's sleeping already. So, mashallah, we are ready to listen to sometimes very lengthy discourses, but he's asking for something very short. He's saying, keep it short. This might apparently sound like something not fully keeping with the dictates of adab. That he's actually saying, keep it short. And he's saying to who? He's saying to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa But Nabi sallallahu took no offense to this at all. The issue was, that the sahaba kiram when they asked for advice, they asked to be taught something, it wasn't for the entertainment of the ears. Sometimes, unfortunately, this becomes the situation. That way it will sound nice. So somewhere where it will sound nice, we're ready to sit two hours also. And if it might not sound so exciting and sound so nice, then regardless of how much somebody might be pouring out their heart, but that might be not so attractive for us. Unfortunately then, that is the entertainment of the ears. The Sahaba Ikram asked something, it wasn't for the entertainment of the ears. It was for the heart to absorb it, and for action. It was for Amal. So they wanted to take it in small doses so that they could then now bring it into their lives. Adopt it, make it part of their lives. We have, mashallah, heard so many things over the time. Every Jummah we hear some nasihat. Other occasions, 
we repeatedly are hearing, so Alhamdulillah, we must continue. That is also an ibadat to listen to the talks of deen. That is also part of acquiring ilm. All the virtues of acquiring ilm are available even in such gatherings where the talks of deen take place. So we should have that niyat. We should make that niyat when going to any such gathering. مَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَلْتَمِسُ فِيهِ عِلْمًا سَهَلَ اللَّهُ لَهُ بِهِ طَرِيقًا إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ Nabi Sallallahu says the one who walks a path seeking the knowledge of deen, Allah Ta'ala eases the path to jannat for him. So we should have that niyat. It doesn't only apply to somebody who has formally enrolled in some madrasa somewhere. That is obvious. But any gathering where the ilm of deen is being uh, passed on, all these gatherings, this, these virtues apply. So we should make that niyat as well. So in any case, their objective wasn't just to hear something and then, well, fine, it was a very nice talk and we'll go on. And then the next time we'll listen again, we'll see. It was what we can take along, what we can absorb, what we can start practicing on. So practice, amal was the main thing in their lives. So whatever they learned, they practiced. So in any case, the Sahabi therefore is asking up front, because I want to take it, absorb it fully. So I want it small, short, so that I can take it and really practice on it. So Allah's Nabi Wasallam was nevertheless jawami'ul kalim. Allah Ta'ala had blessed him with the mu'jiza and the miracle that in a few words he would give oceans of knowledge. So he asked for something very concise. So Nabi Islam gave him a very concise piece of advice. And this is such advice that we should be revising to ourselves daily. We should be revising this advice daily. Because this has a complete prescription for us, for all our issues, for our dunya and akhirat. Our dunya and akhirat is all encompassed in this. So the first thing that Nabi Islam says to him, إِذَا قُمْتَ فِي صَلَاتِكَ فَصَلِّ صَلَاتَ مُوَدِّعٍ When you stand up to perform your salah, then you perform the salah like a person who is مُوَدِّع مُوَدِّع One explanation of this is that a person who has left everything behind, he has left the entire dunya behind and he is completely immersed in his salah. He hasn't brought along any baggage. He hasn't come to spend the time in Salah planning for what's next to come now. What I'm going to go back and do. And how I'm going to sort this out and sort that out. When he's come for Salah, he's left everything behind. And for Sallu Salata Muwaddi'in, that we perform the Salah of somebody who has now left everything else and he's totally turned his heart towards Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. There is nothing in his heart now. All the ghayrullah is all outside. So, the importance of this devotion in salah is being highlighted. And by virtue of this, the very importance of salah is being highlighted. It's obvious that this is the soul of salah. But that soul will only be possible to put it somewhere if there's a body. If there's no body, where are you going to put the soul? The soul is a real thing. But that soul goes into a body. So like this insan, the real thing is his soul. Otherwise the soul leaves, and everything is lifeless. The only thing that is to be done now is to bury this under the sand. Same person that was talking, that was walking, that was so jovial, that was with the life of the gathering, that was keeping everything so hale and hearty. And the person who was the man... It seemed like nothing could happen without him being involved in it. If he wasn't there, it seems like the whole world will come to a stop. Because he is controlling everything, and he has his hands on everything. He has his finger on the pulse, and he is the man. But even the man also, the time comes when they say he passed away. And the world carries on. Nothing came to a stop. Dunya carries on. Allah Ta'ala's nizam, this is Allah Ta'ala's system. And... Sometimes in our very, while our life is still there, we realize everything is carrying on because we have become unable to do anything. Allah Ta'ala save us from that. So insan sees that I thought it was me, I was doing it. Without me, everything will come to a standstill. But everything is carrying on more than what I did also. 
اللہ تعالیٰ نظام سو دس باڈی از امپورٹنٹ بٹ دا ریئل تھنگ از دا سول دٹ سول گوز اوے دس باڈی از لائف لیس لائک وائز دس از دا روح آف صلاح دا خوشو اینڈ خدو دیٹ کمپلیٹ ڈیووشن کانسنٹریشن دس از دا لائف اینڈ دا سول آف دیٹ صلاح بٹ دیٹ صلاح دا ایکسٹرنل پاسٹیز آف دیٹ صلاح دیٹ از دا باڈی دیٹ ٹو از ایکسٹریملی امپورٹنٹ دا صلاح اٹ سیلف ڈزنٹ ٹیک پلیس There is no question about the khushu and khudu. And then the external postures of the salah, if that is not correctly done, then that khushu and khudu is not going to happen also. Because if something is, now the person is almost so sick that he's almost lifeless, so the life is there but he still can't walk. So now there has to be that strength in the body as well. So the postures have to be right, all the external aspects, he's performing the salah correctly. So to start off with, he's even performing the salah. And for adult males, it is wajib to perform the salah with jama'ah. And the masjid is round within reach, within certain reasonable distances. Then it must be in the masjid. One person came, he was blind. He said, is there some excuse for me to perform salah at home? Nabi Sassam asked him, can you hear the azan? He said, yes. He said, there's no excuse for you. So the importance of salah in the masjid In any case, Salah Allah Ta'ala has made the means of the solution to our issues. No inflation governs our risk. Our risk and sustenance is not controlled by inflation. Our risk and sustenance is controlled by Allah Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala has given the prescription, وَأْمُرْ أَهْلَكَ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَاسْتَبِرْ عَلَيْهَا You enjoin Salah upon your family members, command them as well and you also be very punctual upon it وَاسْتَبِرْ عَلَيْهَا not just perform it be very very firm and punctual on it so the command of salah is being given and immediately not even in the next ayat part of the same ayat Allah Ta'ala says لَا نَسْأَلُكَ رِزْقَا نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُكَ we don't ask you for sustenance we grant it to you so don't ever think that if I'm going to go for salah now I'm going to lose out on the deal So my risk will get affected. Or now if this meeting at this time, if I don't attend it and I go for salah, then now I'm going to lose out on the deal. If I lose out on the deal, my risk will get affected. No, no, the risk is not governed by any deals. The risk is governed by Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala says, you be punctual on your salah and join your family members also to be punctual on their salah. This will be the means of risk coming to you. لا نسألك رزقا نحن نرزقك والعاقبة للتقوى and the end result the good outcome is for those who adopt taqwa then ran and dollar will go up and down the price of fuel will go to whatever it might be and commodities will all go in whichever direction they want but that risk which Allah Ta'ala has decreed for somebody cannot go anywhere else and the barakat in that risk will come from the amal will come from taqwa will come from obedience to Allah Ta'ala and otherwise the quantity can be they fill the whole masjid up with those gold coins but if the barakat is gone out of it the bigger the numbers the greater the problems so the barakat that is that comes into it that is what makes it productive makes it useful makes it good for oneself and good for others makes it good for one's dunya and good for one's akhirat So in any case, this is the first aspect in this Hadith Sharif, the importance of Salah and inculcating this khushu and khudu in the Salah. One meaning of this is that perform that Salah in such a way you left the whole dunya outside. And you have taken out Ghayrullah. And the other is Salata Muwaddi'in, that if somebody knew for sure this is my last Salah, there is no other Salah that I'm going to manage, I'm going to get the opportunity for. This is the salah that I'm going to perform and then my life is gone. So how will he now prepare for that salah and how he will perform it? Try to bring this in every salah. So this was the first aspect that Nabi Islam mentioned. The second thing was, وَلَا تَكَلَّمْ بِكَلَامٍ تَعْتَذِرُ مِنْهُ غَدًا Don't say such things which you will have to now apologize for tomorrow. which you might have to now present some excuses for tomorrow. 
The tomorrow, one tomorrow is the tomorrow of the hereafter. So sometimes it's some words which are displeasing to Allah Ta'ala. Sinful words, vulgarity, ghibat, lying, all the other sins of the tongue. So now, tomorrow on the day of Qiyamah, what answer is going to give? Allah Ta'ala's gift and na'mat of the tongue, such a great bounty, and how it was used and misused and abused, how the person has to answer for it on the day of Qiyamah. So the lesson is being given, don't say something that now you're going to be embarrassed on the day of Qiyamah. And the other is Amam al-Nas, that now today you said something to somebody, now tomorrow you're going to have to go and apologize. Because now this has become such a problem now. So now you have to start retracting the words, and start now apologizing, and start saying things, now to take it back. But it doesn't really come back. So nevertheless, the lesson that is being given is, that avoid this, be conscious. Because the tongue, the tongue is one of the most dangerous things. One of the most beneficial also, and can become the most dangerous thing also. The tongue can also be a means of beautiful instruction. And they say it can also become a weapon of mass destruction. Sometimes what kind of words a person speaks can shatter somebody's heart. And sometimes it can create such problems between families, between friends, between communities. And Allah forbid what not. What a person had said and how he said it and one thing led to another. So now it became like a, like a weapon of mass destruction. Because now what not happens as a result of that? And maybe people's dunya didn't seem to get affected, but their akhirat is all destroyed. Because of what ensues from what was said. So Nabi Islam is saying, don't get into that. But now that's one part of it. But at the same time, so one is that a person has to be very cautious to think and think many times before speaking. In fact, the very tongue is mentioned in the Hadith Sharif, the very tongue pleads with all the limbs every day. The tongue pleads with all the limbs every day. It says, look, our safety is dependent on you. If you remain straight, we'll be safe. And if you go crooked, we're in big trouble. Because the tongue is going to say something out of place, but the body is going to catch it person is going to slap the face, somebody is going to hurt him, the body is going to get hurt, it's the fault of the tongue. So the Hadith Sharif, this is a way of expressing that, look, be very cautious about the tongue. So in any case, this is one part of it, that a person must be very cautious, he must be careful what he says, how he says it. But at the same time, we are all insan. We are all insan. And in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam has also said to us, Kullukum khatta'oon. Every one of you makes mistakes. Us. Insan, this is, Anbiya alayhi salatu wa salam wa ma'asoom. They were completely free of any blemish, any deficiency. They were those special personalities. But the rest of humans, they are all fallible and they can make mistakes, they do make mistakes. So Nabi Islam said, So now we all make mistakes. So one is to be cautious, don't say things that we have to now apologize tomorrow. But at the same time, being insan, we can slip up, we do slip up also. So the other part of it is, that if that slip up has happened, then never shy away from asking for forgiveness. Never shy away from retracting it. Never shy away from apologizing, from rendering an apology. So it's human to err, but it is a great achievement to take it back. That is courage. And that comes out of, besides courage, comes out of the reality of tawazu, out of humility. It comes out of ikhlas and sincerity. If ikhlas and tawazu is missing, it will be impossible. It will be impossible to take back some mistake, to apologize, to seek forgiveness. 
almost impossible if not totally impossible because these the lack of ikhlas and the lack of tawazu will become a huge barrier in between because opposites will be in place if there's no tawazu there'll be takabbur there'll be pride and when the barrier of pride comes that's such a huge wall that is very hard to scale that wall so this comes out of now to force oneself if necessary but never to shy away from apologizing so sometimes there are things which are very very small in its size but the weight of it is tremendous sometimes you get some items because of the density so the small little block of gold is far more heavier than that huge something else whatever so likewise some words very very short words but very heavy for the tongue to be able to say it the tongue has to carry those words so to say <coughs> so the three let those three words i am sorry very heavy on the tongue it comes somewhere from the bottom it gets stuck this can't come out and especially if it is somebody has to say i am sorry to the spouse then it gets stuck somewhere deep down can't even come up whereas that has such if provided it is said not there's very various ways of saying it too sometimes a person can say the words but in such a way that somebody else feels that this too was another arrow if he didn't say this it would have been better but if it was said correctly said with sincerity then it has a very melting effect on the heart when it comes genuinely comes sincerely it has a very melting effect on the heart and this realizing that i've made a mistake and realizing that i need to apologize this is the quality of great people when a person has that greatness in his akhlaq then this is not a difficult thing for him but when that is missing that akhlaq is missing there isn't that highness in caliber in quality then a person is clinging to the small small things now he can't take any chance of now saying i'm sorry because i seem like then everything is gone the well known of the hadith sharif that we had discussed on some previous occasion as well but subhanallah all these incidents have so much of lessons in it for us on one occasion hazrat abu bakr and umar radhiyallahu anhuma they were discussing something and in that discussion hazrat abu bakr said something which offended hazrat umar radhiyallahu ta'ala so as we said we are insan they were also insan but they were insan of such a caliber that allah taala chose them for the company of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and allah taala endorsed them in the quran sharif radiyallahu anhum wa radu an and allah taala made these incidents happen so that we could learn a lesson so any case abu bakr radiyallahu anhu said something hazrat umar got offended by this on the one side he got hurt his insan insan do get hurt ji they get hurt they're not made of stone and steel so we also insan others also insan we too get hurt others also get hurt our spouses get hurt too so we have to recognize this reality so in any case he said something which abu bakr radhiyallahu anhu got hurt about hazrat umar got hurt about but at the same time everybody from among all the sahaba they understood the seniority of abu bakr radhiyallahu ta'ala and they acknowledged his position in the time of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this incident is happening in the mubarak time of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so he was hurt he was offended but then he now to save the situation he quietly woke up and went away he left as he left and walked away oh, this is great people have great qualities and great people they don't shy from accepting if they have made a mistake because that tawazu and reality of humility is within them that becomes very easy for them now to do the right thing as he walked away hazrat abu bakr realized this was my error what i said was not right now it may not have been a, definitely wouldn't have been something against the dictates of deen but it was something that should not have been said it was not the appropriate thing perhaps whatever 
So he realized that I shouldn't have said this. This was not right for me to have said it. So he immediately woke up and he's walking now, going behind Hazrat Umar He's walking behind. He is the senior most Sahabi, the greatest ranking Sahabi, and he's walking behind Hazrat Umar And he comes behind him and he says to him, "Please forgive me." How easily those words came on his tongue. I am sorry. Please forgive me. At that time now, this emotion was a bit high on Hazrat Umar He said nothing. He didn't respond. He didn't respond and went away into his house and closed the door. So now he closed the door. So now what does Abu Bakr do? So well, this now, he wants to still sort this out. He doesn't want to leave this hanging in the air. Because they had Akhirat in front of them all the time. They had Akhirat in front of them all the time. So now they couldn't leave it hanging in the air. So any case, if now this is close to me, I need to still sort it out. So where's the next point? Come straight to the majlis of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi sallallahu at that time is in the masjid, some sahaba around, and Hazrat Abu Bakr walks in. And as he walks in, Nabi Islam sees him still coming in, and he says to the Sahaba that are seated around him, "Amma sahibukum hada faqad ghamara." That your companion who's coming, he's had some problem with somebody. His face is saying it. There's been a problem here. But now this, as he's still coming in, on the other side, Hazrat Umar radiallahu went away into his house. Now great people have great qualities. And great people don't shy away from accepting their mistakes, from acknowledging it, from apologizing, from asking for forgiveness. He's thinking to himself, Abu Bakr and he came behind me, and he asked me for forgiveness, and I said nothing, and I closed my door. How can this ever be? How can I ever allow this to be? This is wrong. He comes out of his house, and he goes to the door of Abu Bakr knocks on the door, where is he? He says, he's not here. Well, if he's not here, then he can only be one place. He can only be in the gathering of Rasulullah Now He's coming, following, coming for what? To say, I am sorry. What I did was wrong. I should not have done that. Now, both personalities, the hadith still goes on, there isn't time to go into the detail of it, but the long and short of it is, eventually all this was sorted out, but the point is, that in the short time, this is all just happened. Abu Bakr realized his mistake and is ready to retract, he's asking for forgiveness. Hadith Umar made an error in how he responded. And within minutes he's come to his realization. And he's not leaving it lying. He's walking out of his home, being Umar who he was. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala But that was for the deen of Allah wa ta'ala. And for the commands of Allah Ta'ala, within himself he was that same humble person that was now ready to go and apologize, go and knock on somebody's door and ask him for maaf. So on the one side we are being taught in this Hadith Sharif, don't say something that you might have to now regret tomorrow. And you will have to now go and excuse yourself and render an apology. But insan is insan. Insan, this happens. It happens, we do it. And others also do it. But then, this is the teaching. This is the teaching of Deen. Then go and ask for that forgiveness. Go and apologize. Go and accept the wrong, accept the mistake. We lose nothing in this. Rather, we gain tremendously from it. Because Izzat is in the hands of Allah. Wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala is the one who gives honor. And Allah gives honor to those who do the right things. Allah Ta'ala gives that honor to those who take the right step. Allah Ta'ala gives honor to those who are humble. Man Allah. The one who sincerely humbles himself. For Allah Ta'ala. Allah will elevate him. So this was the second portion in the Hadith Sharif. There's many other details to this, but just to finish off, that the second thing Nabi Islam said was, don't say something which you will have to now Apologize for tomorrow. And the point is, somebody might think, well, I won't apologize, I'll just leave it. The thing is, what will be sorry for tomorrow? If not tomorrow in this world, the tomorrow of Akhirat is coming. 
And there is no escape from that. Then it's too late. Now is the time to apologize. Towards the tail end of the Mubarak life of Rasulullah He stands up, he sits in, on the mimbar in front of the Sahaba Ikram. And he says, if I have hurt anybody, please take the revenge now. If I have said a harsh word to somebody, I am here in front of you. You say it back to me. Can we imagine Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa and he is presenting himself in this manner in front of his ummatis because akhirat is coming. So this was a lesson for us. Hey, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said anything that was out of place. But it was a lesson for the ummat. Then the last thing that's mentioned in this hadith sharif وَأَجْمِعِلْ يَأْسَ مِمَّا فِي أَيْدِ النَّاسِ The summary of this is be contented. Turn your gaze away from the things people have. Meaning the material possessions. Whatever material possessions are in the world. What Allah has blessed you with, make shukar on that, be content. That is the greatest wealth. Contentment is the greatest wealth. Person makes his moderate effort within the limits of Sharia. Whatever Allah Ta'ala blesses him with, he is content with it. Allah Ta'ala's system and nizam Allah Ta'ala will give somebody something and somebody something else. But to be looking around who has what, and I too should also have something that this person has and something that that person has, then that is the sure prescription for perpetual misery in dunya. And deprivation of akhirat as well. Because such a person, no matter what he has, can never ever be happy. He can have more than millions of others, but he will still be miserable within himself. So this is the lesson that the heart, heart must be for Allah The heart must be connecting to Akhirat. The heart must be connected to Allah Ta'ala. The physical self will enjoy the na'mad that Allah Ta'ala has blessed with, but not in the heart. The heart for Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala has blessed with good food, mashallah, eat it, make shukar, and that shukar too should take a person closer to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala has blessed somebody with a good home, mashallah, Allah Ta'ala give barakat in that. But make shukar in that, that too becomes a means of getting closer to Allah Ta'ala. But the heart must not be in the home. The heart must be in the house of Allah Ta'ala. The heart must be connected to Allah Ta'ala. The Hadith Sharif Nabi Islam speaks about the seven people who will be granted the shade of the arsh on the day of Qiyamah. وَرَجُلٌ قَلْبُهُ مُعَلَّقٌ بِالْمَسْجِدِ One of the seven categories, that person whose heart, his heart is attached to what? Bil-Masjid. What is Masjid? The house of Allah Ta'ala. That's where his heart is. Why his heart is attached to the house of Allah Ta'ala? That's where he's going to get the closeness of Allah Ta'ala. So the heart is attached to Allah Ta'ala. The heart must be empty and devoid of all these glitter and glamour of dunya. That's not, the heart is not the place for this. Yes, the hands will be the place for it, used in a halal way, used within the commands of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. The body will enjoy those ni'mads, but the heart for Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. This heart must become content. Content in terms of dunya. It mustn't be that ongoing greed, and that everlasting looking at what somebody else has and feeling deprived now and the situation that we now live with the social media and so on and people are now glued to all these things all these things are part of the prescription for misery because now everybody is a social media pundit and everything must become must get posted previously there were some postmen walking on the on the streets they are putting things in people's post boxes and wasn't regarded as such a you know, such a very honorable job nothing wrong with it, person is earning a halal living, but not that if a person had some other options he would opt for this generally now everybody's become a postman all the time they're posting everything they're posting met one person one time in another, somewhere in Johannesburg so he's talking about ex-Durban person so the area that he comes from, from Durban, now he's sitting in Johannesburg and he says, I can tell you the whole street what they had for supper tonight. <laughs> because now his family is on some group now. So now all the whole, all the aunties of the street are posting everything. So now he's getting to know who ate what. 
So now is this the life that we have become? This is the time we have and now these 10 days of Zul Hijjah will come. Will we be saying that we read, performed in half the night ibadat? Obviously it's not something to advertise in any case. Or we were doing this, that and the other. The point is that all this is all the ways in which shaitan embroils us into so many things. And now this all becomes a means of distracting the heart. That what dispers every day something or the other. There are certain useful purposes, certain useful things that people take some benefit out of these things. But by and large these things have become just all distractions. And have become things that just take people in so many ajeeb things. So this contentment also gets shattered out of this. Now all these things, everybody's become a postman and now they have to post more and more things and now somebody is seeing this person is doing this and that person is doing that and many a times it's all just one one outer just appearance and it's sounding so glamorous but behind that glamorous facade there's another picture but now people have become postmen so now they have to keep giving a glamorous picture on that surface so all these things also are things to now forsake. No need to worry about who's doing what and who's gone where. We worry about how close we have become to Allah Ta'ala. Where are we going in terms of our amal? Where are we going in terms of our connection with Allah Ta'ala? So this is the message of this Mubarak Hadith Sharif. Nabi Islam has given us this beautiful prescription that if you want that true happiness, contentment, we want the good of dunya and akhirat, then this is the way. It started off with Salah. If Salah really comes in order, in its punctuality, in its quality, then everything is all sorted out. وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ salah. Allah Ta'ala says, seek Allah's help with sabr and Salah. person has Salah in his life, he's got the key to the solutions. And if Salah is in order, inshallah, the rest of his ibadat will also fall in place. So that takes care of this entire branch of ibadat. And then, if his tongue is in order, by and large, his whole muasharat and muamalat will be fine. Because bulk of the muasharat gets affected with the tongue. And if his heart is content, then inshallah, this heart will be connected to Allah. Wa ta'ala. And he's connected to Allah, ta'ala, then his dunya and akhirat is made. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. Allah ta'ala enable us these Mubarak days that are coming. We already start focusing our minds and hearts towards it and planning how we're going to try to take some benefit out of these Mubarak days, maximize the ibadat, etc., whatever best we can do. Allah ta'ala bless us all with the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil
ഹസിലീൻ ഫർജ്ജത്തഹ ഫിറീൻ ഇലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാഹുലാ
They're making Toba from all the sins we have committed, Ya Allah. For all the mistakes we have made, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you're most forgiving, Ya Allah. You're most merciful, Ya Allah. You love forgiving, Ya Allah. Allah, Allah, Allah. Allah, there are elderly people amongst us, Ya Allah. There are young children amongst us, Ya Allah. Allah, certainly somebody's Amin is beloved to you, Ya Allah. Allah, Allah, with the barakat of that Amin, forgive us all, Ya Allah. Allah, all those who have raised their hands to this dua, Ya Allah. Forgive one and all, Ya Allah. Those who asked us to make dua for them, Ya Allah. Forgive one and all, Ya Allah. Grant each one the best of dunya and akhirat, Ya Allah. Allah, make us among your loyal and obedient servants, Ya Allah. Allah, make us those whose hearts are filled with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Allah, cleanse our hearts out from the evils, Ya Allah. From the love of dunya, Ya Allah. From the love of the ego, Ya Allah. From the love of vices and sin, Ya Allah. Put the love of deen and amal in our hearts, Ya Allah. The love of the efforts of deen, Ya Allah. Allah, you grant us a tawfiq of performing our five times salah with jama'ah, Ya Allah. With complete khushu and khudu, Ya Allah. Allah, enable us to recite the Qur'an Sharif daily, Ya Allah. Enable us to be forever in your remembrance, Ya Allah. Allahu alamin, all those who are sick, give them shifai, kamila, ajila, mustamirra, daima. Allah, remove every trace of their ailments, Ya Allah. Allahu alamin, Ya Allah. Whatever difficulties and hardships anybody is in, Ya Allah, out of your grace and mercy, remove it, Ya Allah. Throughout the world, Ya Allah, whoever the Muslims are in any suffering, Ya Allah, you remove their pain and suffering, Ya Allah. Those who have been in prison unjustly, Ya Allah, remove them from this injustice, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. You protect the lands of the Haramain Sharifain, Ya Allah. Protect Masjid Al-Aqsa, Ya Allah. Protect the Kaabatullah, Ya Allah. Protect Madinah Munawwara, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, protect it from all the traps of Ya Allah, from all the efforts of the people of Shaitan, Ya Allah. From all the efforts to try, Ya Allah. Pollute the Haramain Sharifain, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, you protect it, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, all those who are trying to harm Islam and the Muslims, Ya Allah. Allah, you turn their schemes against them, Ya Allah. Allah, you turn their schemes against them, Ya Allah. Allah, protect all the Basajid, Ya Allah. The Madaris and Bakati, Ya Allah. The Khan Qaz, Ya Allah. The effort of Dawat and Tamlih, Ya Allah. All the organizations of Deen working for Haq, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. You make the efforts a means of Hidayat, Ya Allah. Make, a mean, make it a means of Hidayat, Ya Allah. Blow the winds of Hidayat throughout the earth, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, in these Mubarak days that are to come, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, give us good, Ya Allah, health, Ya Allah. Give us a tawfiq of Ya Allah, truly immersing ourselves in your worship, Ya Allah. Allah, give us a tawfiq of Ya Allah, making sincere tawbah from every sin, Ya Allah. Allah, and save us from going back to those sins, Ya Allah. Allah, you protect us and guide us, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, whatever we have asked for, Ya Allah, out of your grace and mercy, grant it to us, Ya Allah. What we should have been asking for and did not ask, Allah, out of your grace and mercy, give us that as well, Ya Allah. اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه معين والحمد لله رب العالمين